0: Little baby in a manger, holy infant, blessed Savior, Hallelujah. Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. You've been listening to Overjoyed, a song that you'll hear more about at the end of the podcast. But first, let's hear a message from Pastor Rob Morasco.
1: There are a lot of things that our family loves about being here in Wisconsin. We praise God that he has brought us here. But there are some things that we still miss about Decatur. And one of those is our house and in particular, our backyard. Our backyard was a big place for a whole lot of fun. Uh, This picture that's taken within the first year or so that we moved there uh, gives you a little bit of an idea of what that backyard was like. Um, A little overgrown, but I'll explain. The backyard was really large, and uh, we had, you know, our kids, and we had this trampoline. One of the problems with our backyard was that there was no flat spot in our backyard, So there was no place to actually put the trampoline when we first moved there. We tried it in a few different places, and then we finally decided that we should do a cutout so that we could get a nice flat space for our trampoline. I dug for a while by hand, and then a merciful member of our congregation brought his bobcat over and quickly dug out the rest of the space for our trampoline. You can see it up there over in the top right part of that picture. Uh, In that picture, you also have our son Josh who ran from the slip and slide down there in the lower part of the picture over onto the trampoline and did a wonderful maneuver there. Uh, All of the dirt that was removed from where the trampoline was dug out is then scattered into that kind of undeveloped area that over the next few years we mixed with lots of really good manure and tilled in and created a great garden that grew all kinds of wonderful things for our family. We had a lot of fun in that backyard. Now, I mentioned that there wasn't a flat place in that backyard. That was a challenge for us, but it also presented an opportunity. As we started thinking about what to do in our backyard, the idea of a zip line came up. Amy's brother, living in Michigan, they had a big backyard. They had installed a zip line, and we thought, well, if they can do it, we can do that too. And the advantage that we have is their backyard is flat. Ours has this wonderful, significant slope, so we would have speed. The problem was I really didn't know what to do with installing a zip line. So after taking measurements and figuring out how much distance we were going to cover to go from tree to tree... I headed up to Rural King. Now, Rural King for you here is a little bit like Farm and Fleet, but it's much more of the farm than the fleet. So I headed up to Rural King hoping to buy the supplies for our zip line. And when I walked in, I started talking to a couple of employees. And the first two employees that I talked to had no idea what a zip line was or how to make it work. But they were determined to help, and so they introduced me to another employee. Now, when I started talking to this woman and explaining to her what I was trying to do, I think her first question was whether or not I was mentally stable. And then her next question, I think, was trying to figure out if she helped me, would she be liable in any way if someone in our family were injured while doing this zipline? After she worked through those issues, she demonstrated that she knew exactly what I was going to need for installing our zip line. And so she took me over to all of the supplies and she showed me the cable and made sure that I got the right cable that would be strong enough to hold all of our children and any adult who might want to try the zipline. She also made sure that I got the right clamps so that when I attached the cable to the tree, it wouldn't come loose. She made sure that the hook that I had for the other end of the cable that would attach it to the other end was going to be strong enough and would hold no matter what we put on that thing. She even showed me this wonderful device, and I don't know what the name of it is, but it had two long threaded eye bolts connected with another piece of metal that allowed me to easily adjust the tension of the zip line so that we could get it to the right tension, the right um, strength, I guess, so that it would work. So after making sure that I had all of the right supplies, I was convinced that this employee knew what she was talking about. And I put my faith in her. I trusted her completely because, remember, I had no idea what I was doing. But the faith had to go beyond just simply trusting her to actually carrying it out, demonstrating faithfulness. So when I got home, I started installing the zipline exactly as this wonderful employee had helped to describe for me. So I got it all attached to the tree. And this was a little bit of a trial and error thing because the first setting that we had, the zipline was way too fast, way too steep. And I had to jump off the zip line before I became part of the bark on the lower tree. Then there was a point of adjusting it where the cable was too loose, and as the kids got on the zip line, they just kind of dragged across the lawn. But eventually, we got it set so that the tension was right, so that the slope was right, and so that our kids would have this ongoing adventure open for them in our backyard I should say the apparatus that we used to connect to the zip line was the lat pull-down bar from my weight machine and I don't know if that was you know like truly specked out to to do what we were asking it to do but we had a whole lot of fun for years on that zip line I had to put my faith in this employee at Rural King. And then I had to demonstrate faithfulness by carrying out all of her instructions and making sure that it was installed correctly. My kids then, and maybe more importantly, Amy, had to put their faith in me that I had installed this thing correctly. And then they expressed their faithfulness by riding on this thing over and over and over again. It may be a little bit hard to see in the picture that's up there, so maybe this will help you see it a little better. And remember, this picture was taken years ago, so I had to jam two different pictures together. But that is our zip line running through our backyard, covering 50 to 60-some feet and dropping 20 to 30 feet over the course of that stretch. It was a blast an absolute blast, and a lesson in faith and faithfulness, which brings us to the book of Proverbs. For almost a year now, we've been reading through the Bible. We started in the book of Proverbs here last week, and then this week really diving into them. Over the last few months, we've read all kinds of narrative sections of Scripture that are pretty easy to work through. And then we get into Proverbs, and it's, you know, bit after bit after bit, all of these little nuggets that are so wonderful, and you just want to hold on to them, right? But you have to move on to the next one and the next one. And it covers a ton of different themes. But, but there are certain themes that come back again and again in the book of Proverbs. And the idea of faith or faithfulness shows up multiple times. Now, the verse I'm going to direct you to is Proverbs chapter 21. So if you would open up your Bible, Proverbs chapter 21. Uh, If you uh, didn't have a Bible, the ushers just walked down the aisle handing one for you, so hopefully you grabbed one. Otherwise, you can open up your electronic device. Proverbs chapter 21, and this is what it says. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice, now, that, that doesn't express the words faith and faithfulness, but the concept is there. And in fact, this concept shows up multiple times in our readings for this week. In Proverbs chapter 14, in Proverbs chapter 16, actually last week in our readings where we have trust in the Lord with all your heart, this understanding of where you put your trust, where you put your faith, comes up again and again. And the proverb says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. If I had gone to Rural King and had shopped for all of the supplies for that zip line on my own with what I thought was right, I don't know if any of our kids would still be here. My first idea was to start with a rope. Then when I started looking at cable I wondered what was the least expensive cable I could use to cover that distance. I didn't know what kind of clamps to use. I didn't know how to secure it to the tree. I had no idea what I was doing. But if I had just gone through Rural King and picked out what was right to me, what seemed right we would have had a problem. In order to do this correctly, in order to have a good result, I had to put my faith in the employee at Rural King. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. How true is that? We all have ideas of what we think is right. We all have ideas of what we want to do. We all have ideas of how things should go. Every way is right in his own eyes. I think this applies so directly when you start thinking about well, just about the way that we live. We can, we can make excuses for, we can justify absolutely anything that we want. If in your business, the bottom line is more important to you than integrity, then you'll find a way to make that bottom line right, and it'll seem just fine. If in your family it is more important to you to look all put together than to actually have a foundation of faith and love that keeps your family together, then you'll find all kinds of ways to make that look right. In relationships, we can make all kinds of excuses and make all kinds of definitions for what love might be or what satisfaction might look like that seem right to us. But here's the thing if I had just gone into Rural King, and picked up what I thought was right to me. It would have hurt my children. It could have even led to serious injury and death. And if we live our lives according to what we think is right... The consequences can be deadly. And the proverb, the proverb says, "Look, every way of a man is right in his own eyes." But we aren't the ones who get to determine what's right. We aren't the ones who get to determine what's true. We aren't the ones who get get to determine what really matters. The second part of that verse says but the Lord weighs the heart. God is the one who determines what is true. God is the one who determines what is right. God is the one who determines what is love. God is the one who determines what is ultimately best. And so if we are going to have those things, if we are going to have what is ultimately best, then we're going to have to put our faith in God. God, and not in ourselves and what we think. And, and remember, faith isn't just a, a concept. It's then expressed in our faithfulness in how we follow through on or carry out, which is what the second verse identifies. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And what the, what the verse is saying is, look, if you know because you have faith in God what, what is right, what is just, what is best, then you'll actually do that. That's faithfulness on your part. And that's much better than the appearance of just offering sacrifices. So this is the way this is laid out. In Proverbs chapter 14, that idea of every way seeming right, it it lets us know the seriousness of what happens because it says, "In in the end though, what we say is right only leads to death. In Proverbs 16, it says the Lord weighs the spirit. Here he weighs the heart. And so I I guess I have to, to ask, where do you put your faith? And how do you express your faithfulness? Are you? Determining what's right in your own eyes? Or are you going with what God says and putting your trust in him? Now, I don't know about you, but I know that for me too many times, I'm the one who says what's right. I'm the one who makes up My own rules. And in the end, that only leads to death. And God is the one who's going to weigh that out. Which takes us to a couple of other scriptures. Back in Proverbs chapter 16, where a verse very similar to the one that we just read shows up, we also read this wonderful verse By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is toned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. (laughs) By steadfast love, and faithfulness. Over the last few weeks, as we've worked our way through Psalms and Proverbs and tied that together with the fruit of the Spirit, we've seen this idea of steadfast love show up again and again. And the psalmist and the writer of the Proverbs isn't talking about my steadfast love. He's talking about the hesed. The steadfast love of God. And by his steadfast love and by his faithfulness, my sin is atoned for. It's paid for. So is yours. That's what all of these scriptures keep pointing to over and over again. Is when we talk about faithfulness. We're talking about God's faithfulness to us because of his incredible steadfast love for us. I want to take you into the New Testament to a couple of different readings. Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And as he writes to Timothy, he gives him this statement of faith. It's a very short statement of faith, but it's an important one to hang on to. This is what he says. This is a trustworthy saying. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, oh, look at this. He remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. By steadfast love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Whose faithfulness? The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He can't deny himself. No matter what I think might be right, Jesus Christ is there who is right, who is love, who is truth, who is the best. And he remains faithful no matter what. And it's this beautiful statement of faith that Paul says to this young pastor, Timothy, you hold on to this, you hold on to this, you tell your people this. No matter what, he remains faithful. He builds on this also in the book of Thessalonians, writing to the Christians in the the city of Thessalonica. When talking about the challenges that they're going to face, he says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. We can trust in God because he is faithful And he will continue to be faithful every moment, every day, as he holds on to us. And knowing that, we then can live faithful lives. When talking about this gift of faith, Martin Luther, in uh, one of his works, writing about the power of the gospel, this is what he has to say. Faith is a divine work in us. Which changes us and makes us to be born anew of God. It kills the old Adam and makes all together different men in heart and spirit and mind and power. And it brings with it the Holy Spirit. It is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. I love our yard indicator. That zipline, because of the woman at Rural King, gave us years and years and years of fun and adventure. We never had to worry about it coming down. When we moved, we took the zipline down. We really thought it was best because it would be a liability if we left it. But as I took those clamps off and took that cable down, there's just so many good memories of the fun and the adventures that we had in our own backyard. That all came because of trusting this woman at Rural King and carrying out what she said we needed to do. When I think about trusting Jesus, the fun, the adventure, the excitement, the promise of, well, it's so much more than just a few years in a backyard. This is the eternal gift that God gives to us because of his faithfulness to us. And that's a pretty good adventure.
0: Now we'll hear a Christmas song called Overjoyed. And I've asked Kip Fox to share with us about that song. Kip. Overjoyed is a song I wrote with Sam Mizell, a great songwriter. Uh, And he and I just wanted to write a song that captured the joy of that Christmas story. Uh, Just like the song says, every time we hear that story, uh, we are overjoyed. And so uh, it was just a really simple, uh, the words just kind of came right out. Uh, There's nothing more fun and exciting than Christmas and the story of Jesus and his birth and what the incarnation means for all of us. So that's what overjoyed is, and I hope you like it. On a cold night in a small town, a little stable became holy ground. And Mother Mary, her heart was overjoyed. And there were shepherds on a hillside. They were awestruck by the blinding light of an angel. And their hearts were joy. Oh, heaven's voice is ringing Singing glory, singing glory For the promised one had come To set us free, set us free Every time Glory of my Jesus coming for me, I can't help it. My heart is overjoyed.